Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Konnichiwa. And we are joined once again by Wesley. Ahoy hoy. And Lily. What the hell was that? That was that was Lily, everybody. Grant Bell answering the phone, like uh, Mr. Smithers or Mr. Yeah, no, not Smithers. Um, Burns. Burns. Mr. Burns. Yes. I'm and, like, probably going to have to go out and kill myself because now I know how Wesley thinks. Yes. <laughs> That's the first step to the cancer. Contamination has begun. Next, yes. we'll be in smoking jackets and find thousand thread socks. Good luck with that. <laughs> So 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 we're recording this uh episode on uh New Year's Eve weekend. It's uh it's the Sunday the 30th. Uh and we are talking about the only time a Machiavellian plot is acceptable in weird fiction. And that is Call of Cthulhu game mastering. In specific, our recently wrapped up Nippon no Kage game run by our very own Steve straight out of his twisted brain. Yes. Um, now, I, you know, I really don't think we, we should sit here and critique you specifically. You can, because, you know, I have my moments. You, you have your moments, but, you know, we all roll with them. We're used to it. I mean, you know, just in case anybody is watching this episode and hasn't caught any of the AP or any of our other game review episodes, we are a group that has been playing together for... Uh, hell, almost five years. Well, all of us, specifically three, almost four years. Um, and the rest of you guys have played together for about a year before that. So we we kind of we kind of are very comfortable with each other in our in terms of play style and and to an extent storytelling style. That's true. Now, Steve, um, tell everybody at home what uh, Nippon no Kage was all about. Uh, Nippon no Kage was really about me wanting to play a, a uh, Japanese fantasy role-playing game and not wanting to uh, have to learn a new system with everybody. Really, that's what I was <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted Originally, I, I wanted to play Bushido. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read through the rule book and came to the conclusion that that wasn't going to happen um, just because it it's a chore to, to get through the rule book and everything. Mm. Character creation, it's all, it's a chore. And I didn't want to have to have that get in the way of, of doing things. I kind of wanted to hit the ground running. Um, the next choice would have been um, uh, five, five Rings. Mm-hmm. Like, like fourth uh, that, edition or something? Yeah, but that was out of print. Mm-hmm. And the books were prohibitively expensive. Like, if you look on Amazon, like, the fourth edition books, like, the core book for mm-hmm. for L5R is, like, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars. Right. And the fourth edition L5R book was a massive book, where the second, third edition uh, had a player's book and a GM's book. Uh, the fourth edition just compiled them all into one. Yeah, and and I, honestly, honestly, I didn't really want to have to deal with the baggage that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So, so we put that aside. Call Cthulhu, um, specifically Pulp Cthulhu, 
was my default is just because we play so much of it. We all know the system inside and out. So I decided like if I tweak it a little, we can run a game in, in uh, Edo period Japan. Right. So that that's where it all came from. Basically, it was me wanting to play a fantasy game in, in medieval Japan. Right. And uh, this setting actually sprang out of a uh, game that we play tested here on the channel and that uh, you ran at a um, an unnamed uh, Lovecraft convention. <laughs> it was Necronomicon. I'll, I'll name them. <laughs> <laughs> I might not be like happy with them right now, but I'll name them. Right. Um, yeah, so uh, last not this past year, but the year before, I ran games at Necronomicon, and I wanted to run something original. So I came up with like an idea of like having bodyguards um, um, escorting, uh, a, you know, a highfalutin family, watching mm -hmm. the family get kidnapped and have it all turn into some Lovecraftian thing. And we played it here, um, and everyone who played it enjoyed it. So you know, then we I decided to do something a little bit bigger. No, I enjoyed it so much I played it twice. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that it's weird because that game I ran like more times than I've ever run anything in my life. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So, what was the story uh, of Nippon no Kage? Uh, so basically, you had um, the forces of the mythos. We'll say were trying to sever the connection between uh, the spiritual realm and the physical realm in Japan. Mm -hmm. That was the, the, the plot, more or less. And they had a little bit of court intrigue, a little bit of uh, planar travel, um, a lot of soy sauce, <laughs> and some weird science. Yep, absolutely. Now, you did have to uh, construct a few additional rules you had to tweak uh, character classes and stuff like that but you did have uh some additional rules for use of magic and you had some additional combat rules set up well yeah um more or less i wanted the ma i wanted players to be able to have access to magic because like i said i wanted it to be like more of a medieval or you know a japanese medieval fantasy role-playing game than straight up Call of Cthulhu. So I wanted to have that magic be there, but I didn't want any of the magic to be directly related to the mythos. I really wanted to have like a clear division between like, uh, I guess Shinto style magic mm -hmm. and, and mythos magic. Right. Right. And, and, you know, I totally cheated. I used like the folk magic from the uh, grand grimoire, but I just like severed, ties to to uh the mythos in it because right honestly that's my big gripe with a lot of the um the settings for call of cthulhu like down darker trails and terror australia's is that they try too much to incorporate the mythos into um non-western civilization Didn't right they have a J japanese source book that as well that did that uh, there is, but I didn't really use that source book to tell you the truth. First off, it was a modern, uh, it was a modern source book. Uh, this is Secrets of Japan you're talking about, right? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a modern source book, and that book really, really um, did the big no-no. In my my, I mean, they like incorporated all of of Buddhism, Shintoism, everything into the mythos, and I specifically did not want that. The plot actually revolved around that not being the case. Right, the actual conflict between the two, <clears throat> between a Shinto Buddhist Taoist society and. Uh, the influx of the mythos, and yeah. and I, I really enjoyed how you treated how how you did take that idea, you know that, um, you know the foreign or non-Western cultures are are really just the mythos under a different name, and turned it on its head and made the mythos this kind of uh, analog for the Dutch, and. <laughs> <didn't really> <laughs> But, but you were you now, were wait, there. Was it was it was it him that did that or was it y'all that did that? <laughs> it was Rodney that did I that. Y'all were the ones that kept saying it's the Dutch. I don't remember Steve ever saying it was the Dutch until after you said it. <laughs> no, it was well, inadvertent, but it it actually you know Rodney brings up like the point. It is <laughs> a, a good metaphor for um, what the how Western civilization operates. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. The, the 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 mythos was really a colonial power and they were trying to come into Japan and change the culture. And and we were fighting against it. And and while my character did rant a lot about the Dutch <laughs> you know, it's, it's, Dutch moments. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Dutch. Your your character wasn't the only one ranting about the Dutch though. Nope. Nope. He, he just brought the Dutch up a lot. Yeah. yeah. Anytime something was nasty or smelly or anything like that, it was always the Dutch. <laughs> anything that was foul was the Dutch. Dutch's breeches. <laughs> it's those hats, man. It's those hats. My second, my second character was actually the son of a guy who traded with the Dutch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Doesn't surprise me. They're not bribes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, for for even a pulp Cthulhu, for even pulp Cthulhu, and this is one of the things that, that, that we discovered over the course of playing this, um, <clears throat> that a lot of people feel that pulp Cthulhu just isn't as lethal as normal Call of Cthulhu. And well, that's I think, the opposite. Yeah, I think Steve turned kind of turned that on its head because we were it's like the mythos stuff is equally as is, is lethal, which is what's supposed to be lethal. The problem I have with Base Cthulhu is that the people are super fucking lethal too. And I feel like you'd have a better chance of surviving the cultists themselves than you would the actual things the cultists are trying to summon. That's true. And that's how I feel Pulp deals with it, is it because we have a few more hit points, you do feel like you can stand up against the dock worker that that has the Cthulhu handbook versus Cthulhu, you know? Yeah, well, there's there's a rule in Pulp Cthulhu that you can use where if you don't have a major wound and you're reduced to zero hit points, you're just unconscious. Mm -hmm. But there's two things that that bother me about that rule. Um, The first thing is, like, it kind of, like, weakens the stakes, so to speak. But the second thing is you're going to spend so much of your quote-unquote downtime recuperating. Mm-hmm. 
from because you because you don't recover any faster and and you know what i'm saying yeah so that that's why i didn't use those rules i mean you can use those rules and and probably um none of you would have been dead at all because i don't think anybody ever took a major wound outside of like maybe um at the end of act two when you fought um the Osano I think monster. I did when we were fighting the Scarecrow and the Fire Dude. Oh, man. Because I got hurt really bad in that fight. Yeah, that Scarecrow was particularly nasty. And oh, so God. was the guy throwing fireballs at my face. <laughs> scarecrow. But you got your revenge later on and ended up killing. Yeah, yeah, but still, you know, it's just that that fight, you know, without the 30 luck point thing, like, I was definitely dead. There's no way that that wasn't major enough wounds for me to just be dead. Yeah, I spent most of that fight unconscious, so... Sorry, <laughs> I, I spent I spent most of the the combats in that game either unconscious or 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 uh, at the mercy of the red mist of rage. Yeah, you you definitely tend to roll that red mist a lot when you go insane, and I wonder if it's not because your die your die likes that number. Um, it's possible, it's possible, but. It, yeah, it did seem like I. Well, I mean, in Master Nyarlathotep, I always rolled unconsciousness. Yeah. Yeah, I have a tendency to roll towards the eating one. <laughs> the, the desire to I don't eat think the eating one exists anymore. Whatever replaced it, I tend to roll the nine. That's what I usually shame. are rolling. The eating one's fun. It's a shame that that doesn't. Yeah, the, the eating one was fun because that led to some very awkward situations for me in games. Like you have the strangest desire to eat the giant worm is trying to eat you right now. Really? Uh, <laughs> what 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 is Scott what is Scott Jones's rule, first rule of the mythos? Uh everything eats. <laughs> it's true. So uh what did what did you guys think of of the new rules? Or you know, the add-on, the additional things like the 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 it wasn't really the combat that was changed, but it was it was like just to make some weapons like sh stand out and mm -hmm. like some occupations stand out. I I tried to like give like uh, people who used um, Dai Show had a choice between going offensive or defensive, right? That kind of and and like you said, there you could choose to be a um, a spellcaster. Mm -hmm. uh, I, mean, I, I, I think it would have been nice for maybe one of us. I mean, Rodney kind of had it, but we really didn't have a spellcaster. It would have been interesting to see how that worked out. Well, I didn't cast a lot of spells because by the time I got around to casting a spell, the the circumstances were usually over. But I did like the mechanic of, of exorcism, where it was like a psychic battle. I also appreciated the fact you failed most of them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I, I did like the the idea that that kind of morphed into using um, the skill detect spirit to actually communicate with spirits. Yeah, that was in the cool. local area. Yeah, well, if you if you read a lot of you know Japanese ghost stories and stuff, mm -hmm. they totally do that all the time. Yeah, yeah, they're they're you know. Ghosts and, and spirits and, and yokai and kami and things like that are very talkative. They're very social creatures. And That's usually how you get out of them eating you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you, the, the one that comes to mind is like the first story in Kwaidan. 
mm-hmm. um, where they're on the, the um, it's the blind flute player who gets asked to play at the court of the uh, dead, um, the dead warlord. Mm-hmm. Just that kind of stuff. It's like totally different than than uh, Western ghost stories. Right. It's it's less, I guess, less confrontational. Right. Um, the motivations of the spirits are not always evil. In Western ghost stories, um, the ghosts are there to scare you, and, and they're often sinister in nature. And we consider it a big uh, flip-flop to have a ghost that's not sinister. But in in the Japanese folklore and in their ghost stories, everything is it's more natural. Yeah. You know, having a conversation with a kappa is just like having a conversation with your neighbor. Because oftentimes they are your neighbor. As long as your neighbor wants to eat the ball inside of your asshole. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, we don't we don't kink shame here. <laughs> Sometimes we do. Mm. Only West though. <laughs> <laughs> this is mostly for the lulls. <laughs> Yeah, it, it ran longer than I thought it was going to. But I think I might have put more filler in there than I think I should have. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole thing inside the castle um, could have gone shorter, I think. After after, um, after um, uh, the daimyo's wife disappeared. Mm-hmm. It could have gone shorter. I think. Well, a lot of that was Wes's interrogation. Yeah, that, <laughs> that whole series was like six hours of gameplay. Yeah, and it, it, you know, I don't think it had to be that long. It, it was, it wasn't as action oriented. I mean, I guess I was, I guess I was dissatisfied with it because it was my first attempt at like courtly drama, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think that's like my strong point. Right. Well, plus, you know, BRP Polk Thu doesn't really have a good mechanic for courtly drama. Yeah. Um, I know you had included also an honor system to go along with it, but we didn't really do much by way of honor checks. Yeah, that, that, there's something in there, but I don't know if, if it really has a place. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I, I would say I would say that um, you know if you're going to use like an honor that that works somewhat like sanity points or magic points, that um, it should be like your hit points in a social situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like for sense. example, you know your but it recovers faster. You know you lose if you go down to zero, you end up losing like say D six or D eight honor. Because you've lost this interaction, but it goes kind of back and forth. If it and goes to zero, you have to pick Off a with your head. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I mean, over the course of an interaction, because I mean, you know, you have to have something to spend, right? While you're in this like tense situation, right? And that would probably have worked worked out a little bit better. Yeah, I think that if we do it again where that is a factor, because I definitely want to come back to the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but And if we do something that there's going to be drama like that, I think I would have to rework that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, a way you could uh, work it is basically honor is like points you spend in a sort of social combat, really, where you have your set role, but you can decide whether you want to spend more honor, you know, like put more your honor on the line for this particular interaction. Well, spend it and, like luck points. Yeah, and then like you either you either retain it if you win or you lose it if you um, lose the uh, res- uh, combat. Well, you could also no. do it. I hate also... the, the term social combat. <laughs> I really yeah, do. I mean, like that's Wes's bag. <laughs> but but really, that's that's very Japanese, very uh, well, yeah, I mean, drama that's sort of. That's that is true. The honor system to begin with is that. Yeah. Um, in fact, it, it works out that way. I've been reading through Fifth Edition Legend of Five Rings, and social interactions are considered combat. With initiative and it's just the skills that you use to engage in this combat are different. Right. No, but you have that in regular Call of Cthulhu. I mean, you have persuasion, mm-hmm. intimidation. You, you know, you have your social skills. Right. And in in Seventh uh, Edition, it is a, it, it, it's not just a regular role. It's supposed to be an opposed role. So technically, you have social combat. Hmm. Uh, right. So, so an argument. So an argument. You know, you could deflect it, which would be like a, a a social version of a dodge, or you could counter argue, which would be fight back. Right. Um, I think part part of the the issue is that as a as a GM, I don't do a lot of that, mm-hmm. and I think as a as a group, we don't like um, we don't go into rolling when we're role playing. Right. Right. You know, yeah. we just kind of work it out, and then at the end of it, okay, make this is what you say. Okay, make an intimidation roll because that's what right. you do. Right. Or, or oh, that's the lie you're telling. Make a fast talk check. And, right. Exactly. And we generally do tend to role play, role play the social interactions a little bit more. We know what we're going for when when we start talking. It's right. Like, I'm going for a fast talk roll, so I'm going to start fast talking. Right. Instead of like doing it organic and then and then um, rolling right. as as points of contention come a, come along, it's a lot easier to do regular old combat because it's like okay, well I punch him, right? Okay, I well, punch him, it, it, hit, it misses, <laughs> right? Yep. And and you're right. It the the game itself isn't geared toward the social part of it. I mean, it's it's a means to an end in the game rather than like a part of the end itself. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the social interaction in in Call of Cthulhu and Paul Cthulhu is really meant to get you, uh, get you into a room to do an investigation, right? Or get you out of, uh, you know, out of a room when you're discovered, <laughs> right? Exactly. And then you know, roll that fast talk, roll that persuade, roll that charm. And, and so it's like all the tools are there for it, but the um, it's just not like a a, a well used muscle, right? I right. mean, maybe you have honor, and in social situations, instead of spending luck, you spend honor, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then uh, you know, then what your honor is. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to hash it out. Right. Well, I mean, you could you could also do things to uh to get it back through through actual honor actions. Yeah, and that actually that was instead of rolling for it, 
is like, you know, that would actually having it be a point spin system probably will work out a little bit better for what you were intending. Yeah, mm-hmm. my, my intention was to have it so that if you did honorable things and were successful at them, that you would gain honor. And if you did dishonorable things um, and people found out about it, you would lose honor mm-hmm. as well. Um, and, you know, that's just poor follow up on my point on my part, I guess. Right. That that really was my intention <clears throat> was to have it be tracked like that. So that, um, you know, when you went and talked to uh, your daimyo, um, if your honor was too low, he wouldn't even bother with you. Right. That's true. Um, we did kind of end up playing a little fast and loose with, with Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're gonna, that's gonna yeah. happen. Yeah. Because, because you have to, just because of the, because of the dynamic of the group, you know, some people are better at making, you know, those in, some people are better at making those those role playing moments, where um, you know you give the speech to the uh, to the daimyo, or you trying to convince the soldiers that you know your cause is just. Right. Whereas you know, in if we were playing strict class rules or caste rules, you know, my character probably wouldn't have been. The mouthpiece that he was. No, that's save, true. No, save for yeah. the save for the fact that he was a priest, and and priests got a lot of you know a lot of slack cut to him, even though they were technically low class. Right. Well, I mean, you, you can't. I mean, it's unfortunate, but like in a game situation, I don't think you can faithfully recreate any culture. Well, true. Hey, we're also, we're in a situation where we're playing up more of the fantasy that we know from like pop culture and stuff too. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. So, like you know, whereas for real, it probably he probably wouldn't be able to do it in a movie esque setting that we were in. Yes, he would because he's the most knowledgeable person. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But also, you know, there you know there were other little things that we ended up having to do that really you know like samurai class touching dead bodies and stuff like that right you know we we had to we had to kind of like work around that cultural restriction simply because there's only four of us (laughs) right and you can't have npcs doing everything for you that right that's no fun right let's we gotta we gotta search this guy so now i i did try and make it so it would have like a uh like a Kurosawa or an anime kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted that more than that, you know, you know, a strict role play and a study in, uh, you know, 15th century Japan or 17th century Japan. Right. Uh, but and that's kind of boring. <laughs> right. I apologize that I didn't try to pull off more stunts, wacky stunts. <laughs> With with combat, <laughs> so I I mean I hope I achieve that. That sufficient for you guys to talk about that. <laughs> I I just love the polite fights Rodney uh, uh, Ito and Dizon ended up in. It was like the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was uh, some like 
really good like tension moments between you guys, um, like when when you were in the brothel. Mm-hmm. That just specifically because like Ronnie was trying to play a fish out of water. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. because I mean that like was like basically his entire backstory <laughs> was was the opposite of what <laughs> of his situation. I quit because of the lechery of the priesthood. Here I am. Hey, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, he quit. Ran off on his own. It, it really came. It really started becoming. Uh, Inter- weird kind of when we uh, started gaining notoriety because whenever big shit seemed to go down it was always some of us in the midst of it well I mean you are the heroes of the, right we're the heroes of, of the, the story game. so we come back to town and it's like everybody knows who we are <laughs> we had wanted posters up mm-hmm. because Abe Fukasake right right and and later the the shogun himself he was kind of pissed off right it wasn't the shogun though spoiler alert Mm -hmm. i mean we didn't know that at the time we didn't know that we didn't know it at the time so not we we kind of had a double-edged sword because not only were we wanted by these officials for questioning or because we just pissed them off um you know we had also been around the town we gained some notoriety just in the town itself so it's like you're wanted, you're wanted, <laughs> and you're and you're. We started a riot. <laughs> we were we, wanted, we and we were recognized. I seem to recall a certain, a certain priest was the one that started that riot. <laughs> right. Another another fish out of moment, water moment. There was you know going with uh, some some uh, atypical monk behavior. You know, how's your jaw feeling today? Well, I, I had <laughs> a little bit of fun trying to figure out how to interact with uh, what's his first character because they were complete opposites of each other. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still had the status, but she hated it and she hated everything he stood for because mm-hmm. of her life and her backstory. Because uh, my character in this game was based off of the first character in the first one you ran. Right. So I was a Ronin. I'd been cast out of my. My clan, and I, and I was one of the early court advisors who somehow got himself devoted to school teacher and a bloody confusion. Somehow. Yep, I think the best part about it was, was he was trying to live the lifestyle, whereas Aika actually did live the, like, the lifestyle. <laughs> That's right. He wrote a treatise on Confucian. He did. Confucianism. Yeah. Right, which which was really interesting to me because in part. Um, one of the, one of the, the historical figures I had based Dizon on was uh, a person who got into a lot of letter fights with other samurai who were Confucian, and he was an ardent Buddhist. And so he got into these debates with this other. Wrote a bunch of letters. He wrote a bunch of letters back and forth, you know, debating and telling him why Confucianism was the inferior philosophy. <laughs> 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 it, I did enjoy how like um, all y'all's characters uh, evolve, like from like the bare bones of, t- and this always happens in our in in long campaigns, mm-hmm. uh, where you know you're trying to at first you know you're trying to figure out what your character is, how you're going to play it, mm-hmm. 
and then eventually you like you kind of settle on it and and then you know due to circumstances in the game um you 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 switch like for for example um lily you you went from being a ronin to an actual um retained samurai yeah and like it and actually ended up embracing the role which is kind of cool definitely would not have done at the beginning of the campaign because she didn't want anything to do with it anymore right but you know adversity brings strange circumstances yeah exactly and then then my personal favorite development for her was the soy sauce oh yeah because she nailed what it was immediately and then it just progressively got worse for her (laughs) (laughs) it's just like huh i know this smell wait that soy sauce was the but the body was pickled in the sauce. do not eat the soy sauce and then finding out what it really was made it worse (laughs) it was so delicious she'll 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 never (laughs) never touch soy sauce again now she wants you dead. Yeah, we had some uh, we had some real lone wolf and cub moments of gore as well. Uh, yeah. And- oh man, the only the one that exploded. <laughs> yeah, Chuck the Oni. He was like, "Oh, I feel terrible. Yeah, just terrible. Just man. let me sleep, guys. Just let me sleep." Oh no. <laughs> And everybody, yeah, everybody walked into that encounter. Was gaining its heights because she's just like, oh god, that smell! I can't be in this room anymore. And everybody, everybody <laughs> walked into that encounter expecting this to be, oh, we're gonna get in a fight and we're gonna be so outmatched. And it just That's turned what I out it was gonna happen. I thought it was gonna happen too. That it turned out that the Oni was just this blue collar guy who just wanted a nap. <laughs> He was, he was definitely was uh, stark son. I don't feel so good. Mm-hmm. I don't feel so good. <laughs> that was my favorite and Komodo. I, I would say that out of all of the encounters, my favorite was um, the ghost house. Toward the beginning, that was, that was cool. And and I was worried about that one because we had just read a very similar story. Hmm. Um, for this podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, and I really wanted that to to go well, and and you guys did a great job with that. It was definitely uh, it could have been an encounter, and it would have been a really deadly encounter had you decided to fight. But you, it's one you, of those moments where it comes in handy, knowing a little enough about the the culture that you're trying to role play in. Yeah. Because, like, I'm pretty sure all of us were worried, but we understood that as long as we don't probably do anything, there won't be a problem. Right. Well, you know, it's like... And and there was there was a moment, a role-playing moment, where it was just like everybody was talking, and eventually they just agreed to let the person who was actually an expert <laughs> in such a situation <laughs> take the lead. Yep. <laughs> There was a number of yokai that that could have been that would have eaten us regardless. <laughs> right. But, you know, let them eat the priest first, right? <laughs> well, no, I mean, if the priest can, if the priest can, can, uh, can talk us out, you know? Yeah. I said most no. yokai are willing to talk. <laughs> well, I kind of wanted that to, to be the case with a lot of the yokai encounters was to have them just be like there as literally part of the environment 
as opposed to mythos encounters where you're, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. Well, I felt the dichotomy of it because, I mean, they were struggling against what we were struggling against. So they really had none of them that we came across really had any intentions of hurting us because they're just like, we don't know what the fuck's happening either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I would say I would say the one encounter that we really botched was the, the bandit chief. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was almost a campaign ending moment. Mm-hmm. You would have been probably put in some sort of prison, to be honest. Right, but you know we're all here, champions of law and order and stuff. We're not supposed to be making these kind of deals. To mention, I just got retained. I didn't have the power to give him what he wanted. <laughs> None of you did, but like you know, fate of the world. Got to got to lie a little. Somewhere in Hamamatsu, there is a new brothel. Maybe, provided well, the, that provided that the the cataclysmic event didn't end up uh, killing off of that guy. That's true. It could have. But um, here's a here's an interesting question. Now, while we were getting toward the end of Nippon no Kage, uh, all of us played our first game. Well, most of us played our first game of. Cthulhu Invictus. Mm-hmm. And so my question to you is, is would you go back in looking at your changed mechanics and possibly look to Cthulhu Invictus for some inspiration there? Mm, maybe. Um, I would kind of, I would like to keep some of the same things, but I would probably tie those things to um, feats or what are they called? Talents. Talents, mm-hmm. as opposed to the weapons themselves, and mm-hmm. and your your uh, skill with them. So you could take a you could take a, a a talent that would allow you for that offense defense thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to having it um, based on how how good you are at the skill. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense because there are a lot of talents. Uh, already in Paul Cthulhu that could be used. I think uh, we toyed with the idea of a sumo wrestler. Yeah. That there would be certain talents that character would have to take to represent their ability as a sumo wrestler. Yeah. Like, uh, overpower was one of them that was like required. Yeah. It's, it's a, I think it's a, a hard um, conundrum to get something that is traditionally like a class-based um, thing in a role-playing game mm-hmm. into Call of Cthulhu, which is more um, skill-based. Mm-hmm. And I thought using occupations for that would be the way to do it, but I don't think that really works. Yeah, I think uh, perhaps um, offering a, a fighting style that is composed of X many talents, you know, like, um, uh, like I tried to do when I rolled the daimyo, when I was picking talents, I tried to make his fighting style in his talents, like applying quick draw to a sword and made, and was trying going for making him more of defensive fighter that used Bato Jutsu. Mm. Yeah. I, th- I think that I did that with the ninja. Mm-hmm. But and and with the sorcerer, but kind of drop that just with the different um, with Marshall on that. Mm-hmm. 
I think I would I would definitely go with talents, maybe talent packages. Mm-hmm. Right, something that might take one or two slots, but end up being like three, four talents put together. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to be, uh, if you want to be a die show fighter, that's your talent, and then you get these benefits from it, but you can't take any other talents. Hmm. You know. So if you want to be unique like that and have like a specialty in fighting or something, because you know most of those are for for fighting anyway. Right. Um, that that that's how you you, you go. Instead. Or if you're playing something like a courtesan. You have, you know, um, the uh, keen hearing talent and, and all that sort of thing. You could build a lot of that just with the existing talents, mm-hmm. like you said. But, like, for the special things, like um, like uh, using Daisho, that, that really, that's the one that, that, was, that was doing it, was that Daisho thing. It's just, like, I just realized that it was a pretty powerful thing to have. Right. Um, and I think I just could have worked it a little bit better, mm-hmm. made it more consistent with everything else, I guess. Right. Or perhaps maybe making some of these, um, the, the folk spells work more like the psychic abilities. Where, yeah. Where their skills or like you get the sorcery talent which gives you access to certain skills and you can specialize in what kind of thing you do. Right. Like make exorcism a skill. Yeah. Yeah. The different. Yeah. I see what you're saying. The different spells. And it, yeah, well, I can't, I'd have to look and see what I had on there, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just make, you make your, uh, exorcism role. Right. Pose role against what you're trying to exercise, mm-hmm. but it would count against your skill points. Right, exactly. So you would have to go. Do I put skill points in listen or credit rating, or do I want to put a couple more in exorcism? Right. For funerary yeah. rituals, hey, it came up once. It, it did come. It did come up once, and I did not put enough skill points in it. <laughs> Because I played through, I played through what, like 10, 12 episodes without realizing that I had made the character without personal interest skills. Yeah. And I still didn't put any in uh, <laughs> funerary ritual. That was hilarious. Yep. It was your big moment, man. It was. And he, he, he certainly lived up to a big moment, just not the way we thought he was going to. Mm-hmm. It helped drive the plot. It did. It did. <laughs> Just the constant doubting of his skills are that on. Right. I think I was the only one that noticed what he did, though. Like yeah. everybody else was like, "Yeah, he did great." I'm like, "No, no, that wasn't right." Yeah. <laughs> but when it came to the exorcism, he he got it down. Just know not to let you bury them first. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, it's it's good. It's it's a good balance of skills. You know, if you fuck up the funeral, you can put them back. <laughs> good for somebody's business that's right <laughs> good for the exorcist business that's for sure that's true but um yeah i mean overall i think it was a, a a great game and a great experience and yeah i'd return to that world 
Well, that's cool because I have another idea. <laughs> right, and I dropped you. I dropped you an idea for something else too. Yeah. Oh, that's true. You you certainly did. Yeah, but but um, I think if we do it again, if we go back to the the world of of Cthulhu Nippon, um, it, I'd want to do like a short one shot thing, like kind of have like because it, it's a lot of the stuff that we do. It are these big sweeping things and we don't do a lot of like small guys true i mean it's i guess it's easier to keep an ongoing thing happening because you know you just like feed off of what's already happened mm -hmm. as opposed to like you know having to come up with different ideas <laughs> all well, the time yeah. Right. Well, I mean, if we ran one shots all the time, I mean, there'd probably be significant gaps in the schedule when everybody's just in a creative slump. Right. That's true. <laughs> but, you know, it's like you run a campaign. Well, there's going to be something you can do. You know, even even if you're ad-libbing a filler of everybody going shopping for weapons. Yeah, or going to the library. <laughs> right. Get those library use rolls. Hi, Brian. Ah, library use rolls. <laughs> well i just i don't know if i said this when we fin when we properly finished but thank you guys for playing because that, that was, was a, that was a ton of fun and completely a different experience than like running massive nire lathotep mm -hmm. well it was less of us cats to her too so i guess that helps <laughs> yeah but it was just like you know if I wanted to do something, I could just do it. Yeah, as your campaign, you could change what you wanted to change. Yep. Yeah. Without having to worry. Yeah, like, is it going to, like, screw up the plot at the end? Because the end was always, you know, Schrodinger's ending. Right. <laughs> Pass or fail. Right. Well, no, but, like, it was like, well, if they can't get to it this way, they'll get to it another way because, you know, I could get them there. Hmm. You know, you didn't have to get to to um to a uh, gray dragon island right so yeah so thanks man yeah, no problem it's fun playing it oh yeah i enjoyed it we'll definitely have to do it again all right well that about wraps it up for our discussion of steve's nippon no kage um got a lot more exciting things on the on the ap front coming up in the new year so yep. be sure to check that out Got and icons coming up. That's right. We got icons coming up. I wasn't gonna plug my own game. I'm plugging it, man. I'm looking forward to it. Oh I yeah. Like, I I got my character together. I listened to some APs to kind of get the feel of how it goes. I'm I'm like ready for icons. So yeah, we're uh, Rodney runs Silver Age superheroes is pretty much what we're going for. So yeah, be willing, uh, be ready to check that out. And until next time. Keep 30, 30 luck points. Oh, I don't even have a button. <laughs> I'm the button master. That's right.